Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to the John and Paul radio show brought to you by AdventuresInMinistry.com. Located there at the website at adventuresandministry.com, where over 25,000 people have downloaded the app, are using the resources, are watching the series, and using the devotional songs to carry on their devotionals. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for um, supporting Adventures in Ministry. I am Paul, and with me as always, my good buddy, John Podine. John. Paul, how are you doing? I'm just glad you remembered your name this time. I know, I know. I've had some identity um, issues um, today. Having identity, having an identity crisis. Sometimes we lose ourselves, but that's okay. That's what we're here for. Well, there's a difference. Years and years of saying the John and Paul radio show, and then having to be seen on screen, and you're just used to saying that. I'm always used to saying your name first because you know I'm a giver. So uh, (laughs) that's that's what happens for us. But uh, I understand. But I am Paul, and you are John. Yes, I am. And and how are you doing today? You know, we just finished our, our Bible faculty meeting and you stayed awake. So I was proud of you. I did. Yeah, I did. It was some good things, some good things discovered, some good things that were discussed, and some some good things on the horizon there with school. Speaking of school, man, we got a lot going on this week. We do have a lot going on. This is homecoming week for us down here in Montgomery. And, uh, man, everything's going to be packed out here. In fact, we start... Uh, doing what we're started this year called instead of the Hunger Games, we're calling it the Homecoming Games. And you know there may be a couple of tributes that pass and, and not make it through, but that's okay. We'll we'll still be okay. Everybody will still be alive, hopefully. Um, when they're finished, we're starting those this afternoon, and it's a big weekend. And then we make another big, you know, that weekend kind of continues on Monday and Tuesday, even right here on campus. That's right, because we're going to have uh, the Better YM conference here on campus. Uh, Dale and Jeff Jenkins will be bringing that event here, and um, we are looking forward to that. Uh, some really good guys that will be speaking on that, like uh, Jerry Elder and uh, Lonnie Jones and Jeremy Hynek, um, one of which is actually in our chat room right now. And so, uh, Jerry, uh, I'm glad you're, you're here with us. And guest number five and others will be joining us here in just a few minutes. But, yeah, a lot happening, uh, even going into the next week with that opportunity. Here's what I'm going to say here. If, you, if you're listening or you're going to download this later, if you have not heard of this and you want to take uh, part in this, there's two really big things that two groups of categories you need to know about for this. It's a little extra from what usually you would find at a, a better event or at a um, other youth workers event. Uh, for one group, for youth ministers, you will have an opportunity to interview your intern for the summer. Uh, we are going to do an intern um, interviewing fair. Uh, that'll be during dinner time of Monday. And for those of you students here at Faulkner or really anybody looking for an internship this summer, uh, be here for that. Register for that so you can take part in that intern interviewing fair. So uh, a nice little wrinkle there, I think, that really um, connects people. If we talk about with networking, what better way to network than to meet with a bunch of people, right? It is, Paul. You know, that's the thing. You know, and we're trying all – of our, all of our schools are trying to give um, – give opportunities for our students to get out and and that you really can't beat being an intern and working these summers as an intern it really gives you a leg up on jobs it gives you um you know um just an opportunity and you know this is getting just like the business field is paul even within youth ministry and and getting some of the graduates that are coming out because of how ministry is even evolving into different aspects and when people are are transitioning out from youth ministry say into family ministry or somewhere else they're wanting to get these guys that have some experience in especially if they got programs that are built they don't want to just get rid of it all and so this this um better ym is going to give a chance number one for uh, kind of like a rejuvenating time and and to hear some of these guys that that do this um you know some some resources but then it's also going to give a chance, you know, for these uh, youth ministers to come meet some of these college students, get some of these, uh, get an internship already set up, and 
and get going. So there's that's one less thing to have to worry about next semester. Yeah, and actually, there's another wrinkle to it all. I failed to mention we have got. I'm I'm really proud of our seniors, our senior class right now here at Faulkner, uh, that are Bible majors and youth and family majors. Um, these guys are looking for jobs. So if you'd like to, if you're looking for a youth minister and you'd like to see them start sometime next uh, late spring, I mean we got some guys that are ready uh, to start working. So um, uh, come for that too. So you're looking for somebody for the summer, but also if you're looking for a full time guy. Uh, we have some people qualified to fill those needs. So looking forward to that. It's really great. Yeah, definitely will. Um, I, you know, I'm excited to see all the people are going to be on campus. I mean, it's going to be kind of like yeah. a like a spiritual reunion. It really is. It really is. It's always good to get together. Um, enjoy that. Um, went last weekend, two weekends ago, um, as we went uh, up to Pigeon uh, Forge for the NTY. It was a great event. Uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, Ryan Tarrion and um, – Joey Markham and the guys up there do a great job of putting that great program together. And, um, of course, I'm, I look forward to another opportunity here this next week. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. And uh, speaking of getting together, uh, John, we have a, a little event happening towards the end of the year that we need to need to give an update on. Yeah, I know. I mean, it, I mean, can you believe we are already here? I mean, it feels like we were just planning it just, you know, last week, you know, which we weren't because we were busy working. But – it's, it's, I can't believe it's here. This is the yeah, 19th year for Exposure Youth Camp. Yeah, 19. And we're working on 20. So uh, it's uh, a lot of great things that are coming down the pike. But I think we can say now we have hit record numbers as far as um, the speed of, of registering. People are showing us that they love Embassy Suites. I don't, and Embassy Suites is nice. I think it's more or less just being straight connected to the Vaughn Broad Center. Yeah, I think I think it is. I, I'm not gonna lie. I enjoy just walking out of my room and being able to walk across. I'm not gonna lie about that. That that that's always a positive thing to do. But you know, Paul, it's funny. You you were mentioned about record time and people already registering and getting a part of it. You know, we you know us on the board, we kind of made little ideas of how many people we would think would be there. And I think I'm going to lose that battle. You're going to lose that battle. Yes, definitely. Yeah, Which is funny. Said, what, I've been the one that's been so positive in the past years. I know, and I'm usually the, <laughs> the one that's the saying, oh, no, never, never, never. I know. But, we uh, yeah, we're, we're going to hit numbers this year. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, in fact, guys, if you have not registered yet, um, you may not get the Von Braun Center this year, or the uh, Embassy Suites this year, huh? Yeah, you may not get Embassy, but you'll definitely get the Von Braun. So, so that'll you be definitely good. will get the Von Braun, yes. That's a positive. <laughs> I promise you that. <laughs> yes, that was about to come out, but we already have. I, it was amazing how basically in that first 24 hours, how many did we end up with in that first 24 hours that registered right then? Yeah, it was crazy. When yeah. when Dennis sent us the numbers, I was sitting there about. I was I think I was driving down the road and I really almost ran off the road when I saw that because I knew yeah, I it was lost. basically 35 groups in the first uh, 24 hour period. It was crazy. Um, we were actually at MTY. And I, I taught two days in a row, so day one, I'm like, you better get your stuff in there. And by day two, I'm like, uh, the hotel's half full, so you really better get your stuff in there. So, um, and it was cool because there were some guys up there. Travis from high school, Florida, uh, was there, and some of the great guys from Florence um, talking about being in the new hotel and everything. And so, so it was cool having those conversations, uh, even talking with Jerry Elder about getting his stuff in there, too. So I, I know these guys are working hard towards that end. It's going to be great. Oh, man, it's absolutely going to be great. Um, you know, I, I can't wait. Uh, this is, you know, we're just all excited. We're bringing back some of the old things that we used to do. Hockey's back this year. And, it is. Uh, Hockey is it first is. night. Uh, Hockey is alert. first night. It's yeah. first night. And I think so we're going to find where that's a good up. move, I think. Everybody's going to get pumped up on that first night. And, you know, yeah, we got to get, you know respectful and everything but that's right. um in fact we had the hunts here last night on campus that's right. speaking though and uh but we're excited hockey's going to be back we're excited about our lineup we got this year it's going to be a great year and you're going to love you're going to love what we're what we're bringing forth this year so we're yeah. really excited about exposure if you have not registered you have not signed up please go today register your group um, get the checks in in or, or put the credit card information in and let's go ahead and make this uh, one of the best years ever. Yeah, we're using more hotels this year than ever before. Uh, we have four hotels we can use. So, uh, 
so the quicker you get your stuff in, the closer to the DVC you'll be. So it's still time to get your stuff in. Remember that. Uh, Clark Sims, Lonnie Jones, Kyle Butt. We have keynote speakers. And um, uh, in a show coming up in the next few weeks, we'll give you the, the breakdown of the challenge class features and the, the, the uh, topics. But I will let you know that the, um, the theme is I know um, because we can know. God gives us the assurance of, of salvation uh, upon being obedient to him and being faithful for our lives. So, um, so we're looking forward to that. It's going to be a, a great opportunity to be together, uh, a great chance to – you're talking about family reunions. This is, this is a big one. Um, oh, it is. But it's, it's, it's a great opportunity. It's really great. It, it, to me, and, and this has been – this is number 19, and for me this is always my favorite time of the year because it is. It's kind of like we get to come together and see everybody you haven't seen all year or you've seen a couple times of the year and you're kind of getting caught up and – and every place I've ever been, all the kids who come to Exposure, they're always like, okay, what do you want to do this year? We want to do Exposure. We want to do Exposure. Because it's kind of like a family reunion, like you said. So sign up mm-hmm. today. Please go and sign up today so we can have our family reunion. That's right. It's going to be great. Um, let's see. So we got Exposure. we got Homecoming. We talked about Better. Um, we want to talk about the sports app and some sports. Before we get into that, John, I'd like to get into something that we, we actually discussed in class the other day. Um, came up in uh, one of the books we're studying, and, and, and I think some people practice this. Some people do not. Um, and, I, and I think we see the drawbacks, the benefits of having it. And it's, it's a, having a teenager, I'm not saying teen because I'm confused on, on the, throughout the phone lines here, but a teenager leadership team. Appointing, and I, see, I'm using words where it almost shows my hand here, but sort of setting up or appointing um, older teenagers that have showed their worth and uh, their abilities to lead uh, as sort of a team to help drive your ministry, so to speak. And um, and I will say, I will say, uh, there are some benefits to it and there are some drawbacks. And, um, sure. And that there are books that have been written that have talked about uh, how important this can be. But I think there's ways you can have that group without making a big hoopla over these are believers and you are not. And that's sort of where I am on it. Uh, but, but, but there are some benefits to it and, and some drawbacks. But um, when you hear that, that teenager leadership team, sort of what comes to your mind and, and what experience have you had uh, with that? You know? Well, Paul, I think it's kind of an interesting thing. Like we said in our little preview video, you know, I, I couldn't understand exactly what you were saying. And I was like, okay, of course we have team ministry. We do, you know, preachers work together. And, you know, even within a church, you have your teens. But this idea of teenagers taking the lead, I think it's something that needs to, in my opinion, probably needs to be explored more. You know, as we were sitting in our Bible faculty meeting this morning, Paul, here on campus, you know, one of the things, you know, we brought up is that, you know, when they're looking at our, our curriculum and things, is that our youth ministries are doing a fabulous job nowadays of teaching the Bible to our teenagers, and they're getting all of this. Now what? And, exactly. And I think this is something, in my opinion, that I really think a lot of more groups need to focus on, and that is working within our groups that take our leaders within our teenagers and, and giving them some responsibility to be able to to grab these things and to learn from them and go with them. Here's what I mean by that. We we so much sit back and, and we have uh, Dale Jenkins and Jerry Elder in our chat room here, and, and, and I'm sure um, they would agree with me on this, is that, you know, I remember growing up hearing, oh, the church is the youth of tomorrow, and somehow in, in our no, minds, we, we, yes, I do too, we <laughs> kind of push them back, and this would give them an opportunity to come out and say, you know, no, we're the church of today, Yes, there may be the future preachers, leaders, elders, things like that, but you can be leaders within your own group. And I think one thing that that does is it gives them some responsibility to help them even grow more as Christians in their walk, in their faith with with God. That's one thing we're trying to do on campus even with college students. And what we're seeing here is that a lot of the college students that come don't don't know how to take responsibility because everybody else has done um, something for them. And so this way, what we're trying to do even here is trying to have leadership teams within our college students to to take this responsibility and help form and shape certain things that we do, at least from an activity standpoint um, here on campus. And I think the same thing can go with youth ministry. Well, I, I agree with you. Um, 
to a certain degree, but I will say this. I think they're more beneficial from a college level than they would be from a youth ministry level. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because there's really no one else to govern and organize and handle college students outside of the classroom. That's true. You know, and I, I see the benefit of putting kids together, um, you know, within certain segments. And, and you mentioned the, our meeting just a little while ago, and I forget to mention thinking our meeting. But, you know, uh, creating opportunities for, for college students to be leaders within the college system um, and having those groups. And I think people, you know, kind of SGA and things like that, I mean, I think people recognize those who have worked hard and put themselves and bring themselves to a certain level of leadership. But where a youth program is concerned, I probably, honestly, I probably have a teenager leadership team, but I've never said, I, I want to meet with my teenager leadership team. Right. You know what I mean? I may say, yes, I like to meet with you, 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 and you. Let, let, let's talk for a minute. Or they'll come to me after class. Usually, honestly, Wednesday night, class ends at 7.15. I never leave till about 8.30 or 9. Because kids just want to hang out. And usually that's the ones that, that, that you know, they're like, what can we do? What, what What's the next thing? Um, you know, they're really intuitive. And in two, wanting to see the growth of the program and the growth of, of what's going on, I think you see the benefit of, of that. But as soon as I put a label on it in youth ministry, then there is a certain uh, uh, a category of person that will start to ask questions that wouldn't on the college level. And the category of that person is called the parent. I can see that. Why is, yes. You know, why is my kid not in your leadership? Team? Not part of this, yes. Exactly. You well, know, why are they and I said, well, I got a list here of reasons, and, and I think that you got to take care of, you got to watch yourself as a youth minister before you decide to set that up. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying there's things you must do to, to cover yourself in an explanation of why a person is a leader, whether they're not. Yes, and, and I agree with that. You know, when I first went to Birmingham and I was working at Roebuck Parkway Church, and, and you know, I'm following Bill Brown into there, and that was something that he had within his group, though, was I thought you had your older kids in fact he didn't go outside for interns he always um he always um did it from in-house and i thought there was an advantage with that he always had three or four every year to be his summer interns and not just summer interns but also interns throughout the year and i thought there was advantage of it but i will say and i do agree with what you're saying and and jerry um, brought this up in the chat room is that it needs to be kind of a natural growth because it can cause exclusion. And that's exactly. one of the dangers that we don't want, especially to take a group like your size, Paul, if you got 60 people in there and you're saying, okay, I'm focusing on these four people. Well, then what about the other 54, you know, or plus people that are going to feel, okay, we're not as good or we're not as popular. Maybe we're not as mature Christian wise or whatever. And it's never supposed to be about, oh, I'm a better Christian than you, or vice versa. Uh, I like um, guest number five. I wish I knew who you were. I'd give you props here. Because uh, th- th- they actually said, how about making the leadership team a voluntary opportunity? Um, I think that's good. That can be good. But what if what if we get a kid who, because um, I, would, I would treat a ministry team like I would an intern. Before I hire an intern, I go to their Facebook page. I go to their Instagram account. I go to their their um their uh, Twitter account. I want to see what they post. I want to see the pictures that they they post. I want to see the kind of people they hang out with. I want to ask their peers about them. You know, are they respected among them? Because if a person just comes up and says, "I'd like to volunteer for this," and maybe they're not the best example, they say, "I just want to be that person." I mean, it, it kind of you know it could cause um a little strife among other kids if they see somebody. Well, that person was out doing this, but not, and why are they doing this? And then I have to explain myself, you know. But but I do see, I do see if you make it voluntary uh, among those that, of course, you often, often can say, no crazy kid who really has no mind for doing good things is going to volunteer to do that. So I, I see that. I see the benefit of that. That's, really, that's a really neat, um, really neat thought there. Well, and, you know, one thing I think, though, Paul, that we can also use with this is, you know, you and I grew up in the Lazar Leaders Program where things were a little bit different. And part of the Lazar Leaders Program was helping build leaders. And what uh-huh. it's kind of turned
turned into has been, okay, let's get our main categories throughout the year and make sure we can get them ready for a convention, go and do it. Which it's, it's helped. It's helped learn people. People have learned how to lead singing. People have learned how to talk. People have learned how to interact with people and help other people. But I think one, a part of the program that has been lost over the years is that leadership concept is is helping them grow to be leaders. And you know as well as I do, Paul, you can look around our churches. We are having a leadership vacuum and, vacuum, and somewhere we've got to try to instill this at a young age where I wonder if you were to poll your kids right now, how many of them want to be an elder one day? You know, and maybe at that age it's just not that big of a deal, and maybe that's part of it, and I get that. But when they look at it as an idea of, oh, I definitely don't want to be a preacher. I definitely don't want to be a minister. I definitely don't want to be an elder and have to get, you know, that's kind of uh-huh. a sad state of affairs. And I do think, and I agree, there are so many different things that we have to be so careful in making a leadership team and, and making our teams, teams leaders. I get that. But there's something that we're also missing because we're going the other direction with it. Right, right. Um, and I like what, um, what Jerry mentioned to you about um, – Having a set time for the come and those eventually will be there. Uh, that that is very that is very true. Um, as a youth minister, I mean, I, um, I do teach a um, college class uh, at Faulkner University, and you, you as well. But but from what my perspective, most of it's going to be from the youth ministry side. Um, I think, and this, I think this is a good good um, uh, a good. Um, way to go as far as um, having it. If you decide you're going to have a teenager leadership team, never establish it in the first two years. Never establish it in the first two years of your ministry because you're trying to get to know people and um, you're not going to be able to build those relationships. And, um, you know, I've been here for you know, going on six years now and I'm just now at the point where I feel like that you can put people in certain places because of um, the longevity of your of being able to know a person. Um, and Jerry could talk, speak to that because he's he's actually, um, <laughs> he is the king of, of being in a place for a long time and a stability uh, in, in programs that he's done. But I think you need, you can't just go in and say, let's start making this happen. You need to know people. You need to be able to build relationships um, before you have a chance to even, even have a hope for putting together a good um, team, if in case that's what you decide to do. Absolutely. And, you know, that's just, it, it, I'm not saying there's a right answer, and I think that's kind of what we're saying. I'm not sure there's a right exactly. answer or a wrong yeah. answer to complete right. all of these things. One thing I do think is beneficial with having a kind of a leadership team with this, Paul, and, and whether it's voluntary or the people coming, and, and like Jerry says, the cream kind of rising to the top type of thing is when it comes down to it, sometimes we also have to um, listen to them because what we think may be good ideas may not be good ideas. Mm-hmm. And I think that helps get their input to help form and shape it, shape our ministry and kind of what it looks like. Now, you know, we're, there's a certain non-negotiables. You know, we're going to be teaching the Bible. We're going to be doing these things. We're sure. not going to go and do things crazy. But as far as our activities, as far as even how we learn, maybe different things like that, I think there are well, ways that we can use these people. Kind of a sounding board. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. if you're asking for them to make a, an investment in this ministry, ask them what they think. You know, and a kid doesn't know how much, you know, you care about them until you actually ask them to, what do you want out of this ministry? You know, I'm here as your minister, but I'm not going to dictate every move you make, every possible thing we're going to do. You know, if you have a, a PowerPoint-driven class, you know, I think it's it's a fair assessment that, that you would win over kids if you say, hey, I'm teaching on this. How about y'all send me some pictures from my PowerPoint, you know, or I'm or um, I really need some help with this this um, the Twitter account. Y'all mind me adding y'all as an admin to help me you know, um, continue to, to send things out like that. Now you got to be careful about that. You got to pick the right kids to do those things. But you know them. That's why you can't do it for two years. That's why you need to wait. You know them very well. You can trust them uh, to handle right. responsibilities like that. But giving them responsibilities, whether you call it something and make it known or not, uh, gives them some functions to, to operate, and that's a good. Yes, giving them something like this. Because, Paul, you and I know, because we deal with them, whether it's in the youth section, whether it's in the college section, part of what we also need to be doing is teaching them how to be responsible adults, how to be responsible mature people, and especially, especially within the church. Absolutely right. Um, What are some qualities, John? What are some qualities of of a kid? 
that you want um, to be, if you were to put, put together a, a teenager leadership team, Ooh. what are some qualities of some things that you think they should have? Wow. Well, obviously, humility, friendly. Sure, kind of sure. Stuff. What else? What are some other things? Wow, Paul. That would be, that would be an interesting, wow, that would be an interesting chapter in a book. Mm-hmm. Not that not that we ever will actually write our book trying to get it done, but that would be an interesting uh, discussion <laughs> to be able to have. Is what would you take for the qualities? You know, I, I got into a discussion one time with somebody, and this is kind of on a on a bigger thing: is what kind of quality do you want in a preacher? And somebody said, "Well, I'd want in a preacher what I'd want in a deacon or an elder." And I'm like, "Well, be careful what you say because then you may push people out." Um, you know, with certain qualifications and things like that. Um, but I think there are some things definitely with your friendship when you're being friendly and hum- and humble and um, also having an empathetic spirit. And um, to me, and this is me, this is something I look for within even our students, somebody who dreams. And I don't mean sitting back daydreaming in, in la-la land, but I'm saying right. somebody who has, you know, uh, you know as well as I do, I think one of our challenges we have in churches today are, is vision. I, I think we, some of our lack of vision that we have, even maybe somebody within a teenage group that dreams, even if it's something that's just way off, there's no way we could accomplish this type of thing, but at least trying to think outside the box and dream, that's something that I personally look for with things like that. Yeah, that's awesome. Somebody with some vision to help uh, assist the future, to set up the future of the, of the ministry. Um, exactly. Great. Um, by the way, um, Blake Lawson was the uh, was the guy was guest number five. Uh, Blake, I believe he's a student at Harding. He was actually okay. in my youth group when I was in um, when I was in um, Birmingham uh, years ago, and he actually had an internship this past summer. They had a leadership team. And um, he's, he, he logged out, and I want to share some things that, um, that he shared with me here. He, just, he said that I had one. He said that they were very helpful with planning and with content and, and even with the fun stuff. So, so you kind of give them a, a balance of things that they can do. Don't just um, put them in a the corner and say you can handle this and we'll handle the adult stuff. I think what you need to do is, is um, give them a full, broad spectrum of things that they can be a part of. And, and it's buying you know, what if your leadership team is half your youth group? You know, what you're going to find Absolutely. is maybe it's a growing thing, and everybody, they have some buy-in into the program. I think that's maybe a, a thing to look at. Absolutely. And, and you know, and one thing Jerry puts here at the end with his, um, um, you know, with one of his comments in here is we have all different types of people who make up our youth groups. We have the people who have different things. We have the people who um, are extroverts. We have people who are introverts. We have all these things. And I think that's, of course, that's the way the church is made up. We, we blend all these things together to become mm-hmm. one big giant family and all these things. And, and I, I wish we could say that there's a, a formula that we could say, here, this is what you do. This is how you how you use it. This is how you create it. And I think that's one of the things of, of, of um, the fluidity of our youth groups and, and our churches in general of um, um, being able to put all these people together into work. And, you know, and I do think, I do, I agree with Blake, you know, they can, there are positive things that we can use uh, our team leaders for. Okay. <clears throat> Blake is actually, I got him, he's, he's talking to me on Facebook. Um, he's not on the chat anymore. But, well, yeah, he is. He is. He's in there. Um, I guess uh, if we were to ask a question, if someone actually has one, is um, what? How are they chosen? Uh, where you worked this past uh, year, and if you don't mind, you can text me here in uh, Facebook or in the chat room. What congregation you work with? You kind of know where you work, and um, and how are the the kids chosen for that? It would be a thing um, that I'd be I'd be interested in knowing about. Uh, and how do you avoid? And this is something else too. How do you avoid the um, the symbol of favoritism when you when you have a group like this, uh, that that would be some things that I would I would probably ask because I think here's the deal: um, if you create a document, John, you know, if you create a document and say we're going to have a teenager leadership team, mm-hmm. anybody can be in it, you know, anybody can be in it, but you need to fall into these certain categories, all right? And and honestly, it it can be something as simple as 
a servant, a positive attitude, devoted to Jesus, you must be a Christian, humble, friendly, approachable, you know, loves to serve, um, you know, finds the visitor and brings them in, you know. Maybe you have these certain things. You fit these criteria, these criteria, you can be in this group. Is that what maybe a, a cool way to go, you think? I think it's a good way to start. I, yeah, I think that's a, a great way to start in all that. Um, even, like I said, guest 10, um, he, she, whoever this guest 10 is, talked about the quality of uh, leaders on the, the leader pledges. You know, that's something we talked about earlier. That's some place that we've lost. Um, I think in the last right. leaders program is, is abandoning those and helping stealing those into the people that use that program. Um, I, I think those are good places to start. Uh, my one concern I would say is, don't be so rigid that you may lose somebody from being a part of your team just because they don't qualify under those things, if that makes sense of what I'm saying. Yeah. That would be my one concern is because sometimes, you know, I, I look at the Apostle Paul, and he has his conversions, and immediately he starts preaching Jesus and starts. Now, he did take some time till you know, disappearing before Barnabas came back and got him and things like that. I understand that. But I also don't want to be – um, that we lose people that just because they not may not have been raised in a church or they may not have um, attended everything that um, that would be my one concern might be my one caution I guess maybe not concern is just caution is don't lose somebody that could be a great valuable asset to your team because we got our things and well you sorry you didn't qualify here here and here type of thing. Well, what about this? What if you, you set up a group and it's there, they're working? What do you do when you have to sort of discipline certain kids? What if you find out they are doing something they shouldn't do? Maybe there's a conflict or maybe a rumor started or, you know, things happen. Of course, never believe rumors, never believe rumors. But um, when you have to remove a person from this, how are, the, um, you know, how, how are you going to do that? Um, I think that's, I think that's yeah. something you have to think about. If you're going to establish a group, you need to prepare yourself for what if you have to remove someone from that group, which can become very awkward. Yeah, I, I, you know, and that's that's one of the downfalls that you know we were talking about. There are positives and there are negatives. That, that's probably one of the negatives is because what do you do? How do you um, how do you remove it? Because you know, just even when church discipline is used, of how how difficult even that situation is. And then now this is a group that you've established and been a part of. Um, you know, do you push? Does that person get pushed away from the church because you discipline them? <laughs> you know, um, how do you handle it? And that's that's one of the challenges. And and I'll be honest, Paul, I wouldn't know what the answer is. I know you would have to make some changes. You know, you would have to do something, but it would have to do in a biblical way, I believe. And and when it comes down to it, we've got to let the Bible be our guide in certain situations like that. I guess it would be just like if we're disciplining. And I know you've had some situations where you had to tell kids, sorry, you can't come on this trip, Yeah, you know, you because of stuff that have happened. And it's not exactly. easy, but you, you had to do it for the betterment of the group and for the betterment of that person. Right. And uh, getting back to, uh, to Blake, um, he um, worked in uh, coming Georgia this past uh, summer. And he said it was a volunteer opportunity for the, the teenager leadership team and um, that uh, those who volunteered were uh, obviously leaders in the youth group. So I think I think you can have a, have a group without putting a big air quotes around it, this is the team, you know, and respect the team. I think that you can have people that they just know those kids are just leaders. And yes. um, that's kind of what we do at university. You know, we don't put a name on, on it. We don't label things. Um, and here's the deal. When you don't label it, you never take the label off. Exactly. And I think that's something you've got to look right. at. Now, I understand this discussion. Uh, John and I are neither for nor against having this. We just think this is something that's happening in ministry today. It can be helpful in ministry today. <coughs> but um, we're just not having this for, for good discussion for today. And hopefully it has. Hopefully this is something that um, has helped. It's helped me uh, to, to hear and to see uh, different views of it all. And that's really what this is all about. John and I present a topic, and uh, we hope that y'all will be able to come forward and help us in doing this um, uh, for, for that. There are some functions of this, I think, that are interesting. Um, Doug Fields even talks about that in his book, uh, First Two Years in Youth Ministry, uh, which is uh, one of the textbooks we use in class over here at Faulkner. Um, 
and different personalities fit certain um, uh, work um, opportunities, like whether it is um, hanging a banner or cleaning a youth room or straightening up youth room, um, maybe giving a talk, leading prayers, heading up a small group, kind of a prayer session kind of thing, or um, even, um, you know, following up with visitors. You know, there's, there's different categories of things to find a strength of a person, and I think that's something to look at, too. Uh, John, any thoughts, um, final thoughts on this before we move on? No, I think so. I, I like how you said that what we're trying to do with some of these discussions is not necessarily say, hey, here's what you do, but this is something that is out there, and I do think it's something we should consider, and it's something that, um, at the very least, we should be aware of, and, and that this is kind of a natural progression right. that does take place, and, and so, you know, let's use it. Let's use some of the things to our advantages that we can use. Okay, good deal. Well, to everybody in the chat room for, for this topic, thank you for being a part of this. We're going to move into the next uh, segment. I've noticed that uh, Sarah Carter is here with us, and she's listening. She's not talking, but she's listening. Um, hopefully, by the end of the show, she will still be our friend. Um, yeah. We have uh, two games, yeah. really, John, I want to talk about. I know you want to talk about the Gators in, in Missouri. Yes, yeah, so I've I've, I've, I do have something, Paul, that I have to get Go off ahead. my chest, and I'm going to use the podcast for it. But we don't have to talk about it yet. Well, we I, mean, I honestly have only two games I think that we need to talk about. Well, so, I, I just got to say, yeah, I, I do have something to say about the Gators, and I know Sarah's a big Tennessee fan, and, and you know, a lot of people from Tennessee have been saying certain things, and from Baton Rouge have been saying certain things, that Florida was scared, that we should have went ahead and played, and look at South Carolina and them. Let me just say this. And I just got to get this out, and I'm going to defend, defend my home state. This is a Christian broadcast. Go ahead. This is a very Christian broadcast. I promise you, <laughs> nobody is scared to play a game of football, especially down in the state of Florida. I want everybody to recognize that when they canceled the game, they thought that all the weather forecasters were saying that it was going to make landfall in the state of Florida and that it was going to – to be on land, and that would have affected Gainesville more than what it was. Gainesville was affected. Plus, you have all the first responders that are gone and doing all the stuff, trying to take care of everything. We did not realize, nobody knew that the, that the hurricane was going to stay 20 miles off the coast and just ride it up. So when they made the game and they canceled the game, no, they couldn't move it to Baton Rouge in that short a period of time. No, they couldn't do it. And no, Florida is not scared to play anybody. Hence why they're going to Baton Rouge on November 19th. Thank you. I just had to get my rant out. Hey, John, what was the weather on that day? On that Saturday? Yeah, on that Saturday whenever um, whenever uh, the game was canceled or postponed. What was the weather? Well, it was rainy. Yeah. It was rainy, but Paul – you got to remember, they thought. Actually, it was I heard make- I heard the sun was shining in Gainesville that day. Yes, not in not on the East Coast. Jacksonville was getting rained on, and they were losing power. And here's the deal: look, I remember, and see, for all of you who don't, who's never lived on the coast, let me just say this: I remember being a kid and being out of school one day because Hurricane Hugo was supposedly coming, and we didn't know where it was going to hit. And I remember being out of school that day, and I was like, "Woohoo! it's sunny. We didn't get rain till the next day, and it was just like little armband things. So the weather's unpredictable, just like, um, you know, meteorologists. They don't know always what they're talking about, and, and things like that are unpredictable. But when you're running an organization of millions of dollars and having people come from all over the place, you have to make decisions at certain times based on the information you have. And so that's what I have to say. About that. You spent ten minutes giving an explanation of why. Oh, whatever, whatever, John. Um, yeah. No talking about Hurricane Hugo. Um, I was in Jamaica, waist deep in water, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, yes. On that. Uh, so there's well, a lot okay. of things. I just had to say that out for all the college football fans, and yes, even for the Tennessee fans. That because I promise you, Florida and LSU are going to play because you know I know Tennessee's going to pair. They do care. Tennessee fans don't care. No, they do care because of, <laughs> of how it's set up to go to Atlanta right now. Because Tennessee has the tie break on Florida. And Florida the way is going to go to Baton Rouge. It and, is now. Um, yeah. The game will be played, and then Florida yes. gets home field two years in a row or something like that. So. 
So. Yes, Florida gets them at home. But people were scared that they were going to cancel the game, Paul, and this is what it all comes down to because if if Alabama happens to beat Tennessee this weekend, then that would put them at two losses and we would have currently one. And if that's the way the season ended, then Florida would go and not Tennessee to Atlanta. Well, you know that's not going to happen. They're not going to leave it open-ended like that. The games have to oh, play. Especially, that's not especially if they have a lot to do with the, Alabama. Who's going is to Atlanta? Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying Tennessee's going to beat Alabama this weekend? I didn't say that. I just said <laughs> whether Tennessee beats Alabama or not, there's still a good chance they're going to go to Atlanta. That's right. There is. We're not I mean, going to lie is. about that. Sorry. So, I, we're just making some nice controversy for our, our next little uh, segment here. <laughs> so, uh, as I was saying before, before uh, meteorologist John popped in, um, we have two games we want to talk about. Number one, um, <laughs> uh, the first one we'll talk about is in the Big Ten. Okay. We have um, Ohio State, who is going to take on the Wisconsin Badgers. And, um, that game is being played uh, at Wisconsin, and uh, we have that game. And then also we'll talk about the big game up in uh, Knoxville. So, uh, so John, um, give me your thoughts. Let's talk about Ohio State for a minute. Um, before we do that, before we do that, and, and, and I like to hear from people in the, in the chat room, this discussion is going like crazy. Everybody's talking about it. Who is the best team in the nation right now? I mean, who is the best team in the nation? Who's, who's your top four? Interesting. Top four. Who's your top four? You got Alabama, you got Ohio State, you got Michigan, you got Clemson, you got Washington, as they call it, UW, all right, over in the pack, uh, the pack pack. You know, so what are we going to do here? You got five teams here. Who's the top four? Well, I, I'm sorry. I, I think Washington is making an unbelievable comeback. You know, for in the 90s, Washington used to be good, and then they kind of disappeared for about two decades in here. Um, I, I think, and, and I agree with Jerry, as he just sat there in the chair in the chat room, said, duh, roll tie. I, I don't know how you you pick against Alabama right now as not being the best team in, in the nation, which I probably, and I'm going to choke on myself for saying this, Ohio State probably a close second um, in there just because of how they're playing right now. Um, but I think you, we rounded out with Michigan and Clemson. Clemson's really started picking it up better. Um, I will say this. I think one of the best teams playing football right now, and you're not going to like this, Paul. Now, they're not going to be the national oh, championship. No. They're going to go to anything like this, I think. Which one? I think the best team playing football right now could be Auburn. Watch out for Auburn. Alabama has to watch out for Auburn at the end of the year. Mark they did tear up Mississippi State. Right You're right about that. Huh? <laughs> they did tear up Mississippi State. You're right about that. They did great there. I am t- I'm telling you, Paul, watch out for Auburn this year. You heard it first, folks, on the John and Paul show on October 14th. Mm-hmm. Watch out for Auburn and the Iron Bowl. I have a migraine coming up. <laughs> Oh me! Um, look, they're playing like Arkansas State, and they looked awesome. And they played Mississippi State, who they looked great, you know. And who, by the way, lost to was it South Alabama? I understand that. My point of what I'm saying is, in their big games that they had with Texas A&M, with Clemson, their defense kept them in there right in the whole thing, and they didn't have the offense going. If that offense is clicking now, yes, I agree. I'll give you. It's Arkansas State. It has been um, Mississippi State. If it's starting to roll, watch out. If they finally have their quarterback and they're starting to get their running backs moving, watch out. Auburn will be dangerous. You use the word "roll" when talking about Auburn. That's what I want. To, I gotta say, <clears throat> you can't use the word "roll" and referring to Auburn. It's just it doesn't happen. <laughs> well, right. you know they do roll. They do roll the the uh, t- trees at Tumor con- at Tumor's Corner, as long as they don't get caught on fire. No, no, well, okay. All right, I'll go there. Okay, so so your top four, you got Alabama number one, you got Ohio State number two. I'm guessing Clemson number three, right? 
Yeah, I'd have to go with Clemson number three. Uh, three and four are real close between Clemson and and um, Michigan. So you think that um, – well, if Ohio State head-to-head plays Michigan, who wins One of them's going to get knocked out. By each other. Yeah, by the other. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, one of them's going to get knocked out. But as of today, those are your top four. Yeah, sure. I got you. I'm with you. And later we'll that. have the discussion – what if Michigan and Ohio State are in the top four and they lose closely? Do they get into the tournament? Who's that? Well, can Wisconsin knock off Ohio State? I don't think they have the offense to knock off Ohio State. I think they'll score, but Ohio State is that powerful in offense. Yeah. I don't think they have the offense to score with them. Not doing not what I saw against Michigan. Mm-hmm. Well, um, uh, Ohio State has a uh, they're they're um, they got the edge by ten point five yeah. over under there. So um, <clears throat> I'm on the on the point spread. So and if I have to pick today, and of course, duh, I mean this isn't a, a fancy pick. I mean, I'm I, I would pick an Alabama Ohio State national championship right now. Yeah, I think that's what everybody wants. I think because they're looking at. Um, Saban and, and um, Saban and Meyer. I mean, come on, the two, why not? The two best um, coaches in the, in the um, college football ranks today. Um, yeah. That's that's the discussion. Well, let, let's talk about it. Let's go. Let's go to Rocky Top and let's talk about uh, Tennessee because I know that's really all these I want to talk about. Um, uh, Tennessee, um, you know, they are probably the best team in the nation in the second half. Um, and, and to be fair, probably worst team in the nation. Reversal from half. last year, huh? Talk about a role reversal from last year. That's true. That is true. <laughs> but hey, if you gotta if you gotta play, play the second half. You know, play when it matters. <laughs> now, this could mean some things. This could mean that Bush Davis and Bush Davis, sorry. Um, that um that that yeah, but Jones that, that uh he he's really making some changes at halftime. You know, he's really making some adjustments to uh, the team, um, to who they're playing. So well, I think that, that, that's, that's nothing to him and his staff. But here's the thing, Paul. How many times, and yes, even in the game that they lost, they still came back and went to overtime. How many times, though, can you fall 21 points down, 28 points down, and keep coming back? That just puts so much pressure on it. One of these teams, they're going to get down 21 points, and that defense is going to lock them down, and it's not coming back. Well, you get down 21 points against Alabama, you're not coming back. Tennessee cannot well, afford to You got to Hold on a second. I, I, I get Alabama, okay, and everybody knows it. But I'm going to have to tell you this. How many touchdowns did Alabama get last week against Arkansas in the second half? Well, you're right. One. And that's one. But, but when you see Nick Saban ended up like he did at the end of the game, and he 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 nailed them hard. You know they're going to come back out this week. He's going to bust their tail and force them to get out here and get ready for Tennessee. I'm telling you right now, if if they don't score, if they don't score and do well in the second half, I'm scared that that somebody for the, for the Crimson Tide. I'm scared somebody's going to die. I'm telling you right they now. They could. Uh, and it could be a happen. Either Saban has a coronary and. That Vaden is next going to pop right out or something bad's going to happen because, my goodness, when the Arkansas game ended and they're up by, what was it, 17, 20 points, and, and, and their defense um, played like crazy in the first half, figuring out they stopped. But that last pass, it may have been like, what, 25, 30, 30 yards. He was going off on his way to shake the hand of uh, 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 Big, Big Brett over there. And um, he was just mad that last pass was completed. And oh, course, he's all about he you know the process and completing the game, and they just didn't do it. And so, so let's look at this. Okay, Tennessee, they have Josh Dobbs. All right, this guy is um, uh, dual threat quarterback. He has he has bothered Bama in the past. To be honest, I think if memory serves, um, he didn't hurt him so bad last year, but year before last he did. Um, he came in um, as a backup, and and really because they weren't ready for it. But but the difference this year is. Alabama has Jalen Hurts, and they have someone who can pretend to be Josh Dobbs. They have someone that can right. – I don't think Bama's going to have a problem with the, the dual-threat quarterback anymore because they're, they're practicing against it every day. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I <laughs> let me tell you the player I'm impressed with right now with Tennessee is that Kamara guy. He just went off, and Texas A&M could not stop him. They had no answer for him. This is yeah. the thing. I, I think when you're looking at this and you see a defense like Alabama, you see what happened so much so that Saban is mad at the end of the game that they won by double-digit points because of, like you said, giving up that play at the end of the game, that pass there at the end of the game. You're talking about a sure-tackling team. You're talking about a team that's going to hit you in the face. I just – this is going to be very interesting. And If Tennessee gets down 14 points, they're not coming back on this. I just don't see it this week. Well, we'll see. The over-under is 57 and a half. Woo! So, uh, they're expecting some high-scoring games, huh? I'm telling you, it's in Tuscaloosa. I wish it was. It's in Knoxville. Um, it's going to be loud. Uh, top there's going to be orange everywhere. I mean, fall has, has come. There is going to be orange everywhere, trees. and and it's not going to be the trick. <laughs> That's right. It's even it's only well, it's everywhere. It hurt for um for Alabama that he hasn't faced a crowd like this before. Yes, he kind of did it in Dallas, a hundred thousand plus. But keep in mind that was a fifty fifty ticket sell. So right. Um, Arkansas was crazy. The Grove was crazy, but he there. Yeah, but let's let's be he honest. He hasn't faced anything like yes. Fayetteville is not Knoxville. No, that's right. So it's going to be loud. And it's going to be rocking with over 100,000 Tennessee fans sitting in there just going crazy. (laughs) And I heard heard Butch Jones played uh, uh, Sweet Home Alabama and it stopped practice the other day, by the way. And you know, you know, Alabama people have had it here Rocky Top about a thousand times this week. Oh, that that uh, locker room at Alabama in Tuscaloosa. I bet it is it is painted orange right now, and I bet it probably is tired of it. I'm telling you, that's that's how Saban plays that game. I love what what uh, Jerry Elder put in the in the uh, chat room about uh, Jalen Hurt and Jalen Hurd uh, because Vern Lundquist is going to he's right. <laughs> he is absolutely right. <laughs> he's going to mess that up every single time. That's going to be so funny. Poor Vern and Gary. They just get blasted all the time. <laughs> well, let me just go ahead and tell you, UT fans, um, the commentary for the game, don't worry. Um, Vernon and Gary, they're going to pull for you. Don't worry. Uh, that'll happen every time. Because nobody wants Alabama to win. I mean, after way too long, I, I get it. I understand. I want Alabama to win. Because I need Tennessee to have I, two losses. Yeah, but these guys on TV, I'm telling you right now, ESPN, they want Tennessee to win so bad. Um, and they can. Tennessee can win this game. That's Tennessee true. absolutely can win the game. Yeah. I, so, John, give us your thoughts. Let's, let's, let's close this thing out. Let's give us give us your 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 um your reasons and your and your score. Here here's my thing. Of course, I've got to go with Bama. I've got to push pull for Bama in this game. Sorry, Sarah. You know, I love you. You're a gamer. You gotta have that. I've got I've got to have Tennessee get another loss in there somewhere, and we've got to win out the rest of our games to get to Atlanta, which. You know, we'll see. Luke Del Rio comes back, by the way. Positive. Um, yes. Um, here's what I here's what I think of how the come the game's going to come down to. Everybody talks about it being a fourth quarter game, and of course that is a game of football. It is a fourth quarter game for Tennessee. It has to be a first quarter game. If you give up what you've been averaging so far in the first quarter, and really in the first half, and you're going into halftime down like you have. 28-3, Tennessee loses that game. For Tennessee to have that chance to beat Bama, it has to go into halftime. You're down seven. You're down three, somewhere in between there. Even down ten. You cannot go down 28-3. to three. You are going to lose that game against Alabama. You have to go in at halftime 21-17, 14-13, somewhere in that battle. You can't have the drop passes that you've been having. You can't have the missed tackles. You've got to have that because Alabama, once they choke you off, that defense is going to choke you down. You cannot tell me at halftime that um, Saban is not going to go in there at halftime, Paul, and if they're up 28-3 and get in their face and you're going to think that they're losing. 
He's going to eat their lunch regardless. He's going to eat their lunch. Mm-hmm. And so that that's what I think. I do think – I think Alabama is going to win. Um, I have to go with Alabama right now, even though I may have just talked myself into Tennessee for a second. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> oh, man. That I really almost just talked myself into Tennessee for a minute. Um, yeah, I think Alabama is going to win. I think um, – if it's a close game, I think Tennessee wins. If it's a if it's a, a touchdown or more, I think Alabama wins. So I'm going to have to go with like a 31-17 type of game. Hmm. I think that Alabama can win a close one, um, but it's only close because they come from behind. Um, I guess I what I mean that. is with Alabama, I think because Tennessee believes they can win, even even last week going into oh, that yeah. crazy. Uh, Tennessee yeah. just believes it can win. It's been in that that. Well, sense. I think Tennessee could probably win every game this season. Um, the sure. way playing, you know, so they they have every reason to believe that. Um, but uh, I, I just I have never. I don't know how you feel about this. I, you've watched football for a long time, and we got a lot of listeners here that that love football. I've never seen a quarterback with so much composure that oh. I've seen out of, out of Jalen Hurts. Hurts with a T. I've never seen. I mean, dude's got. Ice running through his veins, this guy. He does. Um, last week, he about had his head ripped off. He, he let him stop him for a second and then stepped over the goal line. I mean, this guy, he doesn't care. He'll take a hit. He'll get up. He'll throw it. He can throw it. He can run it. He'll find ways to score. Uh, he's never had to face maybe Mississippi, but he's really never faced a situation where they were threatened to lose a game. You know, that's one thing, Paul. I, I've got to give you with that is – Beyond his athletic ability, the thing I've never seen and and rarely seen is somebody just like I got you, whatever. Exactly, exactly. I mean, and John, yes. he's a freshman. I know he's not even a redshirt freshman. <laughs> he played high school last year. That is true. But he's leading this team full of men that most of them will probably play in pro next year. So what yeah. does that tell you about this guy? What it tells me is we'll have him two or three years and then gone. But that's exactly but year, right. He's the he's the he's the X factor here. I, I just really believe that. Um, Josh Dobbs is good. He's fast. He's mobile. But sometimes when he's down throwing, um, he could make some mistakes. And you don't want to make no mistakes against the Alabama defense. Um, it's not a it's not a game anymore. Uh, it's business because now they're trying to find a way for the defense to score every game. So mm-hmm. uh, it's gonna be like sharks in the water, and the blood is falling. And, and I'm afraid that blood's going to be crimson. It's time to try to pick that up and go after it. And um, I think that Tennessee's going to fight, man. They're going to fight so hard. But um, I'm going to give the edge to Alabama. I do think it's going to be a close game. I'm going to say 24 to 17. Okay. I do like close Dobbs. Good. I just got to admit this. I do like Dobbs. Dobbs yeah. is a guy that I really do like. Um, if he's not quarterback, they don't come back against Florida. And Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, I'm just – I am impressed with Dobbs. I'm curious to see him come back. I mean, he's throwing for ungodly numbers too right now, especially because they're having to come back in all these games. But uh, it'll be exciting. It's going to be an exciting game to watch. This is what, their fourth week or third week in a row? Fourth week in a row? Um, what? For uh, – um, I think it's fourth week in a row that they're on CBS. Oh, we're going to see. Well, they, they, they give you a show. They make they you watch it at the very end, that's for sure. Man, I don't want to go very end. <laughs> I'll get all I that. Mean, so that tells you, I guess what I say is that tells you a little bit of the games that Tennessee has had to play in. Yeah. And they are, they are battle-tested, and that would, be, that would be also one fear I would have as an Alabama fan. Not saying Alabama's not battle-tested, but – when you talk about yeah, Tennessee, they've gone up Tennessee in Florida. Getting better. They're getting better Georgia, every year. A and M and Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Gonna be fun. We'll see. It will be. Yeah. Well, did we cover it all? Did we get it? I think we did. We're six I, minutes over, so. I think it is. Okay. Um, I will assume that we will meet you again here this time next week. Talk more ministry. Talk more activities. And um, give you more, another um, exposure update and um, more football. We'll, we'll talk more of that next week. John, you got anything else before we go? 
No, if you're in Montgomery area, come on out. Homecoming this weekend. There'll be games. Trust me. This game will be on. I promise you, uh, Jamie Horn and all of them down there in the tailgating section will be sitting there for having this game on at some point. So uh, uh, y'all come on out. Be a part of it. It'll be awesome. Uh, For John Podine, not me, but for John Podine, I am Paul Sperlin, and this is the John and Paul Radio Show. Thank you for listening. Uh, tune in to adventuresinministry.com. Listen to this podcast and many others um, in our network of podcasts. Download the app. Over 25,000 have and are enjoying that app, which includes the, includes the AIM series and uh, all the resources, the devotional songbooks, and all the things that we offer there. New things popping up there all the time. Uh, thank you for listening, and we hope to see you next week. Have a great week, and God bless. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.